The filming of that video was the fourth time in my life I ever saw my father weep. The first was when I was a little boy and we gave Christmas presents to a family that was in poverty. Then the second time was at Aiden's funeral. And the third was at my niece Elle's funeral. And the fourth was the filming of this video. Today, this afternoon, this story is going to be embedded directly into social media. And you'll have the chance to share it. Because there are other people who've experienced loss, but they didn't experience it with the hope of the gospel. Within a mile radius of this church, there must be a hundred other people who've experienced loss, but they did it without the gospel, without hope. I cannot imagine enduring the loss of a child without the hope of the gospel. The text that I want us to look at is in Mark chapter 14. And it's very brief, it's very important. Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 32. This is on page 851 in the Bibles and the seats with you. In Mark 14, verse 32, Jesus was praying in Gethsemane. You know this place, Gethsemane. We've shown it to you. I, I had a photographer go to the Garden of Gethsemane and film VR footage so that you could go there and look around digitally. The Bible describes actual locales that you can confirm by visiting them today. And what fascinates me the substance of Jesus' prayer. Because it's a prayer not unlike one that I've prayed. And it's one that some of you will likely pray today. Since Aiden's death, we've seen 150 people give their lives to Christ and we've seen medical advancements made that have led to the saving of lives. But if I had a time machine and a choice between a story of a son who passed away and a ministry and a life-saving legacy so that other people's children would live and then having my son with me, in all honesty, in my flesh, I would rather have my son. But here I am. This is simply the cup that the Lord has given my family to drink. And so we will drink it deeply. What is the cup that is before you? If there's anything within you that would rather just not have it, you're not alone. In fact, you can relate in a small way to Jesus in Gethsemane. But before we read, let it be said that Jesus and Jesus alone could drink the cup that was before him. And the contents of that cup was the wages of our own sin. We filled the bitter cup that Jesus drank. Look to Mark chapter 14, verse 32 with me. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, the inner three of the 12 disciples. And he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. 
And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father. It's a term of deep affection and endearment, like Daddy, Father. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. These verses are potent and the message is extreme. It's even a source of theological debate and storied through the annals of church history. The Arian controversy centered around the composition of Jesus and his nature. What is the substance of Christ? The most Christologically significant book in the New Testament is that of Hebrews, describing, describing the, the substance of who Christ is. Describing him as a great high priest in the order of Melchizedek, someone that Abraham met in the book of Genesis. Describing him as a great high priest who is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. Here is Jesus, suffering in the garden, dreading the coming cross. And you see everything that is human about Jesus in tension with everything that is divine about Jesus. For theological reasons, it's important that we believe Jesus is fully God and fully man. Everything that is fully human about Jesus is in acute anguish over what's about to happen because everything that is divine about Jesus knows exactly what's coming. If he were not divine, he would not be distressed. If he did not have foreknowledge, he would have no reason to be in anguish. But because he's fully God, he knows exactly what's coming. And because he's fully man, he is sweating blood as the moment approaches. Did you see in verse 33 that he was greatly distressed and troubled? Here's what Luke 22 verse 44 says, describing in greater detail the, the symptom of that distress. Luke twenty-two forty-four reads, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This is called hematidrosis. This is a medical condition in which the capillaries behind the sweat glands in the forehead, the eyes, the nose, the fingernails, and the belly button rupture, and what flows is a mixture of sweat and blood. And it's experienced by the human body when it's under the most intense duress imaginable. There's our Savior sweating blood in the garden because he knows what's coming. He knows exactly what is to happen. When Aiden was in the hospital, there were moments where I would scream prayers into my couch at the top of my lungs just begging God to save my baby boy and let him live. I would scream prayers into my couch until my voice couldn't produce sound anymore. But even at my very worst, even at my absolute point of, of the, the zenith of my anguish, I never sweat blood. I never came close to the kind of anguish that Jesus experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane. And even my cup at its most bitter is nothing compared to the one that Jesus drank. Jesus alone could take that cup. 
We know that Jesus was fully aware of what's to come because he had prophesied it play by play. Right? Isn't it fascinating? When you look to verse 36 and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Okay, what chapter are we in right now? Chapter 14. Look at what Jesus said in chapter 8. Mark 8, verse 31. And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He prophesied exactly what was about to happen. That was in chapter 8. Now we're in chapter 14. So Jesus, being fully God, knows exactly what's to take place, but he sweats blood on the eve of it. In a similar way, at the, at the tomb of Lazarus in John chapter 11, he knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that Lazarus was dead, and that's why he tarried, so that Lazarus would be dead by the time he arrived. And then he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he still wept at Lazarus' graveside. He still wept, having full knowledge of everything that would take place. Having even told his disciples, this story will not end in death. And Jesus, here in the Garden of Gethsemane, has perfect knowledge and has even given a prophetic play-by-play -play of his own coming crucifixion and the subsequent resurrection, but still sweats blood nonetheless. There's also a unique tension in this passage between the Father and the Son within the Godhead. I have seen this verse, I have seen this passage, Mark 14, verse 36, yet not what I will, but what you will. I've seen this abused by Mormons as though to downgrade Jesus, as though he and the Father were not actually one, and to say that they had competing wills, one against the other. But my Bible says the exact opposite. In my Bible, I see Jesus praying that the Father's will would be done. Jesus is expressing the anguish that flows from his humanity, which is in deep, deep dread of the cross that is to come. He knows this is the cup that has been given to him. And he would rather it not be, but not his will be done but the Father's. And so Jesus, fully human, fully God, drinks deep the cup. After these events, he goes to the cross and takes upon himself the full consequences for my sin, for your sin. And then three days later, he raises again from the dead in victory over it. At the beginning of the book of Acts, he ascends to the right hand of the Father and we await his coming judgment where he will bring once and for all an eternal reckoning to the evil that so plagues us and of which we willingly partake. Jesus takes the cup. He drinks it in full because we could not. Nonetheless, each of our testimonies includes a similarly bitter cup, doesn't it? Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may be proven genuine and result in praise and glory and honor on the day that Jesus Christ is revealed. First Peter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James 1. What is the cup that the Lord has dealt you? 
As for me and my family, this is our bitter cup. And I sit on this stage in part out of obedience to the drinking of that cup. The Lord used the death of Aiden and the subsequent ministry to confirm in my heart in 2012 a calling to be a lead pastor. I'm not asking you to do anything that my family aren't already doing. So what is in your cup? I know I'm not the only person who's experienced loss. I know I'm not the only person in this room right now who's lost a child. I pray that the death of a child is not in your cup, and I know that you will know pain and suffering that I will never be acquainted with. What is in your cup, and have you been about the spurious business of coveting other people's cups? I have little kids at home. I know how this goes. He has more marshmallows than me. All right, your neighbor may have more marshmallows than you. Right, but what you don't know, what God knows, is there's also arsenic in that cup. So don't covet it. You don't know what's in your neighbor's cup. All right, they've got their own difficulties to face. They have their own trials to endure. You have placed before you the cup that is for you. You will not be judged on how you would have done given someone else's standard. You will stand in judgment based on what you have done before a holy God. So you drink deep the cup that has been given to you. And my earnest exhortation unto you is that you would drink deep, brother. Drink deep, sister in Christ, the cup that has been given to you and then wipe your mouth and belt out an anthem of praise. There is something unique about tears and shouts of acclamation of God's goodness that come forth when you stand by the graveside that sound different. Those tears are composed of something different than tears that we cry and, and shouts of praise that we give in other circumstances. If in the midst of affliction, having drink deep the bitter cup, you can shout forth the goodness of God. There's something special about that particular praise. What a time to be alive. You can check me on this. The very first words that I spoke at Aiden's funeral were, God is good. Standing over my son's casket, God is good. There were militant skeptics in my life who said they never believed me until that moment. Because they knew that my faith had been truly tested. They knew that it, they, could, they could trust it. They were compelled. They believed it. Look at what God did because of the pain. I'm here before you today drinking deep the very bitter cup. And I'm asking you to drink yours. What is in your cup? We will pray two prayers today. I want to pray on behalf of those of us in the room who are, you, you may be far from God right now. You've never known him. You know that he created. You believe that the Bible is true, but Jesus is not Lord in your life. You like to think of yourself as Lord. You enjoy calling the shots. And there are practices in your life that you know are in flagrant disobedience to God and his word. But you prefer the darkness to the light because of the evil nature of the delectable deeds that you dwell in. But you're being called into the light. You're being called to believe in Jesus today. 
You may have used the bitter nature of this cup as a testimony against God, but all the while you look at Jesus drinking deep the bitter cup that was issued him, and you're being invited to drink deep your own today, and what you didn't know is that all the while this was the substance of your testimony. You see, a Christian testimony involves your life before you came to know Christ. It involves how you came to know Christ, which for some of you is this moment, this room, this day, this hour. And then your life since knowing Christ. But I don't believe that our testimonies are these stagnant stories that stay the same and shrink in the rearview mirror. I believe that every tragedy, every difficulty, every trial is an additional chapter in your testimony, an additional part of your story, wherein you can, standing over a three foot long casket, say God is good, with a voice that has been afflicted, cords soaked in the bitter contents of the cup issued you by the Father, you can proclaim a song of praise. Say that God is good and it means something it has never meant before. And it bears fruit that could not have come about were it not for your ministry. After Aiden died, I kind of became the guy that you call when someone's child dies. I simultaneously love and hate I hate, I hate, I hate that I'm a part of the fraternity of fathers who have buried sons. I hate that. But I love seeing people give their lives to Jesus when they hear my boy's story. I didn't have to wait long to be put to work with what I had learned because my own brother's daughter, three-year-old, beautiful girl named Elle, three months old, beautiful blonde curly hair like you've never seen on a three-year-old in your life, woke up on my birthday unresponsive and three months later she was gone. I sped to Birmingham and sat by my brother's side and interpreted all the data on the screens that were around him. I was ministering to my own brother. And at Elle's funeral, I saw my devastated parents and what the Lord laid on my heart was, this is the cup that your family has been given to drink. I said, so we will drink it deeply. What is your cup? What has God given you to drink? Don't you see, this is your story. This is your testimony. This is the, this is the chapter of ministry that God is writing through you. Ministry that is coming about precisely because of your pain. When I see people give their lives to Jesus after hearing the story of my son Aiden, I know why. I know why my son died. If the Holy Spirit of God is drawing on your heart right now to be saved, you are why. You are why. My son died so that you be reconciled to God. You are why. You are why. I want to pray on your behalf. If you've been far from God and there's this figure in the corner that's always been there, you've always known that he's real. He's calling you from darkness to light. He's calling you to repentance. He's calling you to belief in the Son. If the story of my Son has led you to believe in the Son, if the Holy Spirit of God is pulling upon your heart, 
That figure in the corner your whole life steps into the light. You know him. You've always known him. You know full well that he exists and is alive and loves you, has always loved you. It is the Holy Spirit of God. Today is the day that you believe you are saved. Today is the day that you know. You know you will see the Son of God. You see, Abraham received Isaac back. God received the son back. In Jesus' name, I will receive my son back. One glorious, beautiful day, and I want you to be there too. So as the Holy Spirit draws upon your heart, would you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? And Christian, if you have been dealt the bitter cup, refusing to drink it, today's the day that you step forward in an obedience. Step into this ministry, drink deep the bitter cup, and proclaim from your lips an anthem of praise. Minister to others who are facing the same thing because within a mile radius of this church, there are other people facing the same challenges as you, but they do it without the hope of the gospel. You are better suited than anybody to reach them. Let's go before the Lord. Let's pray these two prayers as the Spirit draws. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are the son whom God gave because he loved the world so much. That if I would believe in you, Jesus, I would not die but have everlasting life. I confess that I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I believe that the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the way. I believe that Jesus is the truth. I believe that Jesus is the life. And I know there's no way I can come to you, Father, except through Jesus. So right here and now, drawn upon by the almighty living God's Holy Spirit, I confess Jesus is Lord. Highlands Community Church, would you confess Jesus is Lord? Say it, Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now God, let me be saved. God, I pray on behalf of the Christian who's been dealt a bitter cup. I know what that's like, but I know that you are faithful. I know that you are good. On behalf of my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room who have been dealt testimonies and scars and difficulties and pain, substances of stories to be told, the first fruits, God, of ministries that will bear fruit that could not have come about were it not for their pain, God, we tarry no longer. We will drink deep the cup you've given us. Not our will be done, but yours. Our Savior prayed it in the garden. And we pray it too. We know that you are good. We will drink deep the bitter cup and let an anthem pour forth from our lips and praise to you. Would you take these testimonies, take our bitterness, take our pain, take our loss and reach people with them that we would see the fruit born and know why. Thank you, Jesus, for drinking cup on our behalf and we drink ours and sing forth praise in Jesus name amen
you stand with me? Let's worship the Lord together.